1: Welcome back to the show. This month, we're giving away that Roger Hines Dreamfish Twin. Um, If you wanna learn more about the board, I did an entire episode dedicated to it last week, so you can find that. I think that's episode number 368 of Surf Splendor, and the YouTube version of that will be dropping in the next couple of days. So um, look for that and um, we've got visuals of the board on our website, surfsplendorpodcast.com. We're giving away on June 1st to one lucky supporter of this show. I've put the word SUPPORT in all caps in your show notes so you can tap that and it hyperlinks you over to our website and um, you can set up a monthly subscription. It's just five bucks a month. It's an investment in the future, in the growth in the increased quality and consistency of the podcast, but it also allows us to archive all of our content and uh, it keeps us in business. So thank you for that. The board is amazing, I love it, and I am certain that you will as well. All right, without further ado, enjoy today's show. December 1st, 2020, Surfline announced that they would be bringing on a $30 million investment from investment firm The Churnin Group. Along with it, they'd be introducing a new CEO, a first-time CEO, in fact, 42-year-old Kyle Laughlin. As news broke, my first step was to Google The Churnin Group to find out what types of business they've conducted in the past and Kyle himself to see what his resume looked like and my intention was simply to glean some insights into what direction our beloved surfline may be headed a 30 million dollar investment honestly isn't that huge in the world of private equity and investing but it is huge in surfing and no one is going to invest that number simply to prop up a business and help it see marginal growth each year they're going to expect returns on that. So I think that we should expect to see some big changes in the way that Surfline exists in our world. This also made me think that the Chernin Group is probably assessing data that I don't have access to, but that illustrates perhaps something that we've all been sensing and discussing. That is, that we are at kind of a fulcrum and about to see exponential growth in our sport or maybe just the lifestyle of surfing. So, Surfline already boasts the largest surf community with more than three million users. Again, a huge number in the surf world, but paltry when compared to other sites. I presume that this investment indicates that Churnin sees an opportunity to significantly grow that number. I can easily imagine six million people around the world wanting to see real-time surf action, heck, 10 million people even and you know what why not 50 million if it's the best surfers in the world in real time tracking and exploiting surflines forecasts for the world to see then in fact I can think of no company that is better positioned to connect all of these dots than surfline themselves surfline has 35 years of forecasting data and now decades of user data the company was founded in 1985 by southern californians jerry arnold dave wilkie and craig matsuoka it began as a pay per phone call service it was 55 cents per local call prior to this the only option for a surf report was to call your local surf shop and maybe ask for intel Or perhaps your local lifeguard headquarters had a recorded outgoing message. Huntington Beach, by the way, still does. And believe it or not, I still call it. Uh, Anyways, Surfline soon thereafter hired an Orange County wave forecasting guru named Sean Collins, who put together a freelance network of on-the-beach surfers who relayed information on wave height, swell period, crowds, conditions and Surfline would blend that eyewitness data with measurable weather data to offer surf reports for specific beaches. Sean also introduced a three-day forecast using satellite photos and NOAA charts. Surfline blossomed within two years and was offering surf reports from the San Diego-Mexico border to Santa Cruz, California. In 1998, Collins took full ownership of the operation that was reportedly receiving one million phone calls per year. The year prior in 1997 surfline began live streaming footage from pipeline and their hometown of huntington beach more cams followed soon after by 2001 the site was receiving half a million visits per week in 2005 surfline added daily editorial content to the site and in 2009 they introduced an app for iphone sadly in 2011 sean collins suffered a very sudden and fatal heart attack while playing tennis The company has continued to thrive and see growth, and uh, it's actually been led by some of the employees that worked right along Sean for decades. And unique to the surf world as a brand identity, Surfline has remained pretty much agnostic about almost everything. Surf brands, surf media companies tend to define themselves by personality and then kind of build the brand around that personality. By contrast, Surfline has maintained a distinct neutrality, simply delivering forecasts and live surf cam streams day in and day out. Their news stories and their editorial are kind of void of opinion. And along those lines, there haven't been any distinct shifts in the company culture, based on who the CEO is. You can't talk about the era of this CEO or another. They've remained steadfast and reliable and always adapted and evolved to embrace new technology before any other entity in surfing. And they have here again, of course, with this $30 million investment, And upon that news, I immediately added Kyle Laughlin to my guest list because I wanted to hear about this most significant transition for the company that will assuredly usher in faster change than we have ever witnessed in the past. And because Kyle's resume is not exactly what you might expect for a surf forecasting site CEO, he was recently at Amazon running a team making products for Amazon Echo and Alexa. Prior to that, he was the SVP of product at uh, Disney and Lucasfilm in the gaming app and connected hardware division. So what might that experience lend to Surfline and what might they be building? Let's find out. My name is David Scales for Surf Splendor, and I hope that you enjoy my conversation with Surfline CEO, Kyle Laughlin.
0: I grew up um, in a suburb of Chicago, about 45 minutes northwest of the city, Um, blue collar, working class. My dad took the train in every day. He was an ad man. He sold uh, spots and dots for advertising clients, worked at Gray Advertising for a period of time. My mom was a school nurse Um, and uh, went, uh, grew up actually, uh, very fortunate, my mom grew up in Southern California, and my, uh, my father grew up in the Northwest suburbs of Chicago. Um, but they met, when my mom dropped out of school, she became a ski bum in Aspen. And my parents met in, in Colorado. And uh, my father spent a bunch of time in Hawaii um, after college as a tour escort. And um, a good chunk of, uh, a good portion of my family lives in Hawaii today. And um, as a kid growing up, we would spend a few weeks a year Away from the uh, cold Chicago winters um, in Hawaii, and um, that's uh, that's where I, I first surfed for the very first time,
1: oh, okay. um,
0: and spent time going back and forth for um, till I was out of college. Um, so almost fifteen years, probably going back and forth for every 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 few weeks a year. I went to college in Tucson, Arizona, uh, at the University of Arizona. Um, and uh, studied computer science and business uh, there. Um, I've always been infatuated with uh, technology and, and um, uh, the opportunity at that time uh, to build websites and, and uh, consumer experiences was kind of top of mind at that time. There were a lot of uh, websites that I was building in college and as a part of um, trying to put my way through school.
1: What kind of websites? What were you involved in?
0: Everything from local small businesses, you know, at those at at that time in in 98, you know, every plumber, electrician, small business, you know, needed some level of contact with their customers. Um, And so I built a portfolio of websites um, for uh, job recruiters uh, as well. Um, And it was that portfolio one day, a company called Sapient came to campus and said, we'd really like to hire you as an information architect. And uh, I had no idea what that was, it sounded really cool. Um, And Sapient at the time was was one of those early consulting companies that were building many of the leading websites uh, for big Fortune 500 companies, everything from Walmart uh, to AT&T and Verizon. Uh, sprint, um, and small startups at that time, like wine.com. Um, and, uh, and so that was my, my first experience. I didn't spend any time in technology, really. It was all in user experience and design, uh, working for those companies. And it was what sapient, uh, allowed me to kind of travel as a consultant. My first job was in San Francisco. Um, but it brought me to, uh, a long stint of work in Dallas, Texas, in Boston, Massachusetts, um, where I eventually moved um, Atlanta, Georgia, and then brought me back to California uh, to San Diego, California.
1: Gotcha. Do you remember your first awareness of Surfline?
0: It would have been when I moved to to uh, back to Southern California. Um, uh, i I love surfing, uh, but I've had an on and off again, relationship with surf um, I had an opportunity uh, to, to surf on the East coast. When I was in Boston and Newport, Rhode Island, my college roommate um, was living with me at the time from San Juan Capistrano and he would take any chance that he could to go to Newport, uh, Rhode Island, to go surf from Boston. So we'd spend summers uh, there. And um, when I moved back down to San Diego and um, kind of a premium subscriber at that point of surf line. Um, and there was a, a good period of time as I moved up the coast, moved from San Diego to Los Angeles or Manhattan beach at the time, um, that I was probably surfing the most that I had surfed in my entire life. Um, I lived on goal street right above El Porto, um, in Manhattan beach. And that was the time I met my wife. I was probably in the best shape of my life uh, because I was surfing five or six days a week. Um, those days are long gone. Um, and then moved uh, my way up, um, and started working for Yahoo uh, and started to move up the coast towards, uh, um, Santa Monica and Venice, um, before moving to the Northeast of Los Angeles, um, where it might've been, might as well been Siberia to get to the nearest wave, uh, from, from that point in time.
1: I'm curious when you were a premium subscriber at that time of Surfline, considering your professional background, what was your interpretation of the user experience on Surfline? Where were there gaps and uh, opportunities that they weren't seizing?
0: Yeah, I think, you know, for me, the the thing about Surfline um, over the past two decades, um, you know, the, the design, aesthetic has evolved very little, you know, over that period of time. So most of my feedback was, you know, user experience, and I had done that from a um, from Sapient, my work there. So I was very focused on, you know, how to improve the user experience, um, the navigation, and uh, always had wanted a, the opportunity to work for a company where they touted being able to go surf, you know, at three o'clock in the afternoon. Um, and be part of that. Uh, but you know, for me it was always about the cameras. And that was what I really used surfline for was about waking up. Um, you know, in San Diego, I lived at Mission Beach and would go north and want to check the cams before I got in the car um to drive up. Um, and so that was really it. I didn't really start using long like the forecast or kind of thinking about longer term planning. Cause at that point in my life it was you know, it was a kind of like what day I'm going to play hooky today, or I'm going to decide that this is it. And, and that was it. I was living, you know, kind of day to day versus today, you know, we have a lot more um, demands on our time. And uh, and so different parts of the service today, you know, make sense for me versus within.
1: Yeah. Um, regarding your career trajectory and Surfline. uh, how did you view this role as an opportunity for you in your, I mean, how was this, was this job presented to you? Did you seek them out? And I mean, obviously you've worked for Disney, you've worked for Amazon, and why did you see this as a valuable opportunity in your career trajectory?
0: So I think as a brand, um, and I, I, I looked back to that time when this idea of Surfline existed, Huntington Beach-based company that was right in the middle of of, or at the nexus of of what was happening in Surf at the time and um, felt like the idea of working there would be an amazing one. And um, while I was at Yahoo Sports um, and at Yahoo Running Yahoo Sports at the time, we acquired a small uh, startup um, that was called Citizen Sports. It was a fantasy sports game that was on Facebook um, and building a very large social audience. And the founder and CEO of that company was a guy named Mike Kearns. Um, Mike Kearns is the principal and co-founder of the churning group um, with Peter Chernin and Jesse Jacobs, who invested in Surfline. And um, they had been wanting to invest in Surfline. Their thesis is one where you bring um, passion together, They're, they're looking for companies that connect with people's passions. Um, and content and commerce together in a meaningful way. And uh, I was introduced to Jeff Berg through Mike and the churning group on March 13th um, of last year, the day that really Orange County shut down from a COVID perspective.
1: Yeah.
0: And <clears throat> it was a casual introduction. Um, and Jeff and I started a conversation that lasted six months um, between when I first met him and, um, And when he decided that um, the company was ready for a change um, and the opportunity to bring in uh, some new funding um, came about in in December of of last year. So during that period of time, that conversation with Jeff, I realized that all of the perceptions about Surfline um, outside or externally, that this was largely a, a group of people who were You know, you didn't see the site evolve very long. So, my perception was that this is a group of people who were really weren't focused on on building um, a new product um, for surfers. Um, And you know what I what I found out was I couldn't have been more wrong about the people. It really came down to the focus of what the team was trying to attempt to do with the with the resources they had, and they were spread very thin. But the vision for where the company was headed and what Jeff and the team wanted to do was really clear. Um, and so that coupled with um, the strategy or the, the vision for the company, coupled with um, a group of people at the training group that I knew well, um, and as a first time CEO felt like I would be supported, that this was the next challenge that I wanted to take under my um, from a career perspective. Um, so much of what you know, running or building a company is about our core values, the people um, and being a big part of a three million person company at Amazon or 170,000 person company at Disney. You just don't have the opportunity to impact those types of aspects of a company um, like like you do when you were 100 people uh, today um, and, and the ability to kind of jump in and, and make that change or foster it in a way that makes sense.
1: What was the core business when you came on?
0: Core business has been always about <clears throat> forecasts, a forecast, forecasters forecast model and, 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 cameras that really makes up the, the really distinct, um, uh, product that, that very few can offer, um, the core customers that, that exist today. Um, and everything from that, uh, really allows you to better personalize the experience for customers moving forward. The 35 year um, data set of surf, um, there are millions of observations from human forecasters. Um, So ideally in a world you could make a recommendation to someone about where they should go surf at any given time um, in the world uh, based on that information. Um, and, uh, that's the core business that we're focused on today, investing in and, and ensuring that, um, it's, it's rock solid.
1: I guess my question, uh, there's probably a bunch of questions in this, but I'll share the thought, um, the, how do you grow that? I mean, a $30 million investment <clears throat> for the core business is basically isolated. It's limited to the coastlines, right? And so, and really to core surfers are the ones who are going to want a detailed forecast. So how do you grow the business uh, to the kind of uh, degree that you would need to, to justify the $30 million uh, investment?
0: Yeah, we think that there are really interesting adjacencies to um, what we've produced today. And those really come down to three pillars that we talk about a lot. Um, travel, uh, the ability, again, to make recommendations about where um, customers can go to surf, whether in their local um, region or on a trip somewhere else. Training. Um, progressions are a really important part of surfing. And with a product like Surfline Sessions, which was launched last year, you know we have a unique ability to capture um uh people's sessions and then begin to add training uh capabilities to that as well as um the gear right we know the types of breaks you surf we know the boards that are in your quiver um we um, can make recommendations about fin setups um wetsuits um and doing something more personalized for for folks based on on those areas so that's where we see growth um, to to our core subscribers, but it's all about making that subscription more valuable.
1: How do you um, maintain kind of the core culture of the business while capitalizing on new growth opportunities? Um, This is something that is inherent. It's a problem for all surf companies, whether it's a forecasting side, a clothing brand, a surfboard brand. As soon as they start trying to capitalize on growth, if it's a clothing brand, as soon as they're nationally distributed and sold in middle America, the coastlines don't want them anymore. And, you know, I've certainly heard that criticism from podcast listeners where um, they want the cameras for themselves. They don't want anyone else looking at the cameras and coming to surf the beach that they're going to go surf. You know what I mean? So, yep. how do you oh, again? The original question is just how do you kind of maintain the core culture of the business while capitalizing on new growth opportunity?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think we have to. It's a delicate, it's a delicate balance. Um, I think there, you know, part of the reason why um, I wanted to speak to you and to to your listeners was, you know, we were, um, we were, we made a couple mistakes. Um, with the Labamba swell um, a couple weeks ago. And <clears throat> one of those things was that we decided that we were going to run an ad um, touting the swell as a part of that. We're spending more money on marketing um, the service um, and um, we uh, ultimately uh, made a bad decision around around using the swell to, to market the service. And <clears throat> in addition to that we also, um sensationalize some of our uh, uh headlines um well uh, i think the conversation um that was had on the show before was we were accurate in the forecast um but what we weren't uh we we we, we were more sens- sensationalized uh from a headlines perspective than we had been from a content in, in the past and so we heard that feedback from the community. Um, we heard that feedback from the core. And you know, those are things that we're going to, to not do moving forward in the future. So we believe that we've got to continue to look um, for feedback um, on that. Surfline doesn't cause crowds um, from, from, um, you know, from, from our perspective. That's not what the what what the challenge is. The challenge really comes down to, you know, ensuring ultimately that, um, you know, that people can use the service to help them make the best of their time available, and um, in a given week, be able to know before they go and helpfully score more waves. Um, so um, it's a delicate balance that we'll continue to monitor, kind of as we begin to grow and gather feedback.
1: I think that you can get into a really um, tough situation by doing that, to be honest, and even by apologizing, because uh, there will always be trolls. There will always be people that complain, and sure. if you're stead, you know, if you're steadfast in kind of what you're doing in the business plan and all that, then um, you know people will rally around that. So I'm curious. You re- you referenced Labamba that you made a couple of mistakes. Were those actually mistakes? And ultimately, did the marketing generate more new users than ones that you lost because people were upset? Because I would argue the core users who did complain after the fact got right back on Surfline the next day. I don't think they canceled their subscription. You know what I mean? Yeah,
0: that's right. And I don't think we're going to change the what. I think we are going to be careful about the how. And, and that's the difference. We're going to continue to market the, ser- market the service. We're going to continue to invest in um, like product features. Today, we launched live wins across uh, 20 different spots. And now we have hardware where we're actually able to uh, provide those real-time conditions for surfers as a part of it. That's a result of the investment that we've uh, built. So we're going to keep building those features we're gonna be more careful in terms of how we, um, you know, we, we, we talk about swells. Um, we're gonna be more careful in terms of how we market um, those, uh, the service to customers from that perspective. But the what isn't really gonna change. Um, we've been naming swells for 15 years. Um, some of those swells, you know, have been called lots of different things. Um, since I've come uh, on board and joined in the last six months, We've had North Pacific Overdrive. We've had Super Swell Saturday. We've had Pipeline Valentine. All of those, um, those Swell names, um, you know, were moments in time that people reflect back to, particularly on social. And, you know, saw John John go back door um, at Pipeline on that day and can go on to social and see all the content that was created in that on that day and it has nothing to do with Surfline uh, from that perspective. But it was something that, um, you know, marks that moment um, and allows us to reflect on that. So that's not going to change now, whether or not we, you know, we're going to be much more careful in naming a South swell um, into Southern California um, and maybe not focus on some, uh, something that, you know, Lou Diamond Phillips can be on a t-shirt, you know, as the meme for moving forward, but um, the, the how it will evolve, the what won't change.
1: Um, how accurate would you, I mean, if you had to give a percentage for how accurate surf forecasting is today, could you assign a percentage to it?
0: I don't think I could, but I know that that's what our focus is on. Um, you know, the majority of the feedback that we get, um, from customers is, you know, you said it was four to six and it was two to three. Um, you know, I'm standing here on the beach, and it's flat, and you know it's 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 this, that, or the other thing. And so, what we what we um, are focused on doing is making sure that the most important thing that we do is earn the trust of our customers by making um, and continuing to ensure that our forecasts, our forecasters, um, and the real time conditions we get from our cameras are the most accurate in the business.
1: The percentage is kind of the curious part because even if it is the most uh, accurate in the business. We still do get that feedback all the time. I, I have a listener email that kind of just says exactly what you said. And by the way, he said, I don't even care about the LaBamba Swell branding. I just really want to talk about the quality of the forecast, and that should be the number one priority for the business. He said, yeah. for him, it's about 80% accurate. Um, And that, you know, often he'll go, it'll say two to three feet or three to four feet, and he'll go and it's one to two feet. But he said that he's able to take information from other websites and then triangulate to kind of figure out what his local beach is going to be like. So, yeah, is there a way? I guess science would have to improve for forecasting to improve, but.
0: And that's exactly. We have, we're hiring more data science. Leaders uh, to continue to refine that science and cameras today are largely used to um, for someone to visually check those conditions. Yeah. Through computer vision and machine learning, we will be able to update our forecasts with those live conditions based on those cameras to ensure that that eighty percent at that spot that that uh, user is 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 seeing, you know, continues to increase over time. Um, and become more and more so that he doesn't have to go to he or she don't have doesn't have to go to multiple sites to triangulate that information. He should be able to, as a premium subscriber, get the best information possible in one place.
1: Gotcha. You talked when I when I talked about growth opportunities for the business, you talked about just making the premium user experience a little bit more robust for current surfers. Is there any plans to kind of appeal to the non-surfer or to gain users and, um, or even just people spending time on the site who will never end up go, going surfing?
0: There are there are uh, features that we've been talking about that could um, improve the experience for non-surfers. One of the interesting things, again, from a um, computer vision perspective is with these 750 cameras around the world, there's a great wave breaking somewhere at any given time. And yet, you have to tune into that um, or we have to package together cam rewinds of those moments. Um, And so through computer vision, we'll be able to assemble a set of smart highlights um, that people will be able to tune in and watch um, as entertainment um, versus using it to, to try and score more waves. So there'll be small, features like that, but those are really for the core first. And if, if we believe that it can extend to other areas um, that will be something that, that I think is interesting and, and would, would grow. One of the things that we're also doing from a media perspective is to create these live and real time moments around um, surfing and celebrating great waves. So, you know, for Pipeline Valentine, um we uh you know we in addition to our fixed positions we also had um commandeered a helicopter in order to capture um you know what was happening um uh you know at uh, at pipeline during that period of time and we want to create entertainment that celebrates that surf there hasn't been great surf to watch um you know from a live format perspective in some time and and now um, with WSL, um, you know, having events, there's competition um, as a part of, of things that can, people can watch. But we hope the non, uh, non-surfers um, and our core surf uh, will watch the celebration of these um, live events uh, and the real-time coverage um, that will go towards, again, kind of entertainment um, around surf um, that, that, that would exist as a, as a part of the service, the free service that we would offer.
1: That's what I was thinking, or what I was presuming I would hear, um, was just based on the Churnin group, there are other investments that they've made. Uh, that seems to be a commonality, or the ones that I follow anyways, you know, um, Meat Eater, Hodinkee, um, what uh, Barstool Sports, I don't think I even followed previously. Those things have so many, They that investment has allowed them to invest in content to where now there's so many tentacles out into the world that I can't avoid it, you know? And it turns out that I found meat eater on Netflix a couple of years ago, but, and I liked it a lot. I just didn't care enough to actually go to their blog and to actually follow. So through that investment that they got, they were able to generate enough content to then make its way into my life to where now I can engage with it in a way Mm -hmm. that, um, that I probably always wanted to, but would never make the effort to do it. And so as it relates to surfing, I've often thought Surfline's kind of the best positioned brand to fill a lot of the gaps. The WSL uh, is great at running surf contests and they get out of that lane and they've tried to get out of that lane in the last five years and do these other things. And they buy the big wave world tour. They make a documentary about Billy Kemper. And it's kind of like some of it hits, some of it doesn't, but they'd be better almost just sticking in one lane because they can't be everything to everyone. And then you have all these individual bloggers, Jamie O'Brien, Ben Gravy, who are kind of creating this entertainment thing, but there's nobody that can give us news and updates to the minute better than Surfline could if they just kind of... uh, you know, number one, saw the need for it. and Number two, had the resource to really plug all those things in, I guess.
0: Yeah. And I think we do. I mean, that is the aspiration. Um, You know, we have invested in these moments um, over the past six months to try and create that entertainment. We're still learning about what fits, um, what we're good at. Um, You know, we went down to Puerto Escondido for La Bamba to do a live event. And, you know, we, we had to vamp really for a, a couple hours because the waves, um, uh, you know, people weren't riding waves uh, from that perspective. So, you know, there is some fine tuning that we need to do, but w- we feel like that celebration um, is something that we can do really well and, and do it uh, in a way where with the investment that we have to ensure that we've got great writers, uh, great videographers, great production teams doing that um, to try and create that entertainment. So we're in the first, you know, first few innings here, if you will, um, around what we're going to try and do in that space. But we've you, Dave Gilovich has, um, has taken over the content team, um, and so Dave and Marcus Sanders um, and uh, the team are now very focused on creating great content around swells and around these moments uh, from an entertainment perspective. In the past, the company has had to really um, Focus on supporting advertisers and and really doing branded content. Um, and with the investment now, it actually takes a lot of pressure off um, to be able to maybe move away from um, ad-supported uh, content creation um, in in some in some ways um, and be focused on establishing that voice and tone uh, that we think is is uniquely Surfline. To your point,
1: there's. Tremendous opportunity for. I mean, it's kind of just however you guys want to architect it, but you could do it a million different ways. So I'm really curious to see how it all comes together. Can you say um, what percentage of the business was ad revenue when you got on versus subscription revenue? I won't. I
0: won't give you an exact percentage, but it was a small portion of the overall business. Um, yeah, ad revenue, really. Was. Ad revenue was. Yep. The largest uh, portion of the business is is really in subscription. Um, and, and that's the, the most important part. At the same time, um, as we develop that unique voice, there will be opportunities for sponsors, um, but it'll be very much in, in concert with one another, trying to, trying to find the right fit for what we wanna talk about and, and, and align that with, a, with a, um, a sponsor in the future versus um, just distributing other people's content.
1: Um, maybe it's not perfectly analogous, those other examples I gave um, of investments that TCG has made with Meat Eater, with all of them, you have a figurehead who's kind of out there connecting with me, the user. So you have Steve Rennella for Meat Eater, you have uh, Dave Portnoy for Barstool, and even Hodinky, the founders, yep. pretty active. And there's a couple of other figureheads. Um, Surfline doesn't have that. Do you think that matters, and do they need one? I don't, I,
0: I don't think it matters um, and I don't think we need one. I do think that um, in surf in particular, that athletes um, are an important part of content creation and telling stories um, and finding those um, athletes, finding those surfers um, to help tell those stories is, is really important. And I think we'll continue, you'll continue to see uh, us uh, grow in terms of our relationships, um, to help, uh, those individuals tell stories and to, to, to travel and to go places together that I think that, um, you today, it's more difficult to do with, with the brands, um, and the, 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 the fewer riders that are on, on teams today, um, from that perspective, we'll look to, to fund those opportunities.
1: You mentioned Dave Gilovich and Marcus Sanders. They've both been with Surfline for a very long time. Do you know how long Gilovich has been there?
0: 24 years. He just celebrated.
1: Um, Who's responsible? Like, I guess, what does the board look like and who's responsible for making kind of um, decisions about culture within the company?
0: Yeah, I think Dave has always been a great touchstone for us in terms of... um, uh, being that uh, cultural um, input to the process. Also, Ben Freeston, who founded Magic Seaweed is the head of product now um, at Surfline as well. And so Ben brings uh, another uh, tremendous point of view. Um, And Jeff Berg um, and the rest of the team, like Kevin Wallace, um, who's been forecasting um, are all uh, great inputs to the process um, and ensuring that we don't get too far astray from you know what the core values of the company are and where we're headed.
1: Dave obviously knew Sean Collins. How, like, how much of Sean's DNA is still in the business, or how much of his what his original objective was, is part of the company ethos or a touchstone for kind of your guys' decision making?
0: Yeah, I mean, a good a good portion of the um, of the forecasters worked with Sean. Dave um, and Jeff, um, you know, work closely with Sean. I think um, we just read a, a 1999 Surfer Magazine article where Sean was um, the one of the top 25 most influential in surf. And yeah. when he set out to create Surfline, um, he was getting to the same point uh, that I think many of us are, which was he had um, more and more uh, pull on his time and. The whole reason Surfline existed for him was to help him score more waves and to do it more efficiently than ever in terms of planning to go score those waves. And so, we continue to stay very close to, um, I think, the original purpose for the company um, in terms of what are, what we're trying to deliver to customers. Um, and you know, who's to say uh, what he would what he how he would feel today? but I think we're doing and surrounded by the right people to make sure that that initial vision continues to live on.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm always glad, glad to see that those guys are all still intact. And also it's just such a ripe opportunity for growth. I'm glad to see them, you know, participating in it and learning from it. I'm sure, you know what I like, cause they've been uh, focused on the brand on their job for so long you know, you can kind of get myopic in your focus. So it's great to get fresh blood and, and educated blood, people coming in who have actually probably not, never even worked in surf, but are professionals, you know, at doing a task and they come in and it can be, I think really good for everybody. And that's been that the focus
0: um, I think has helped everyone across the organization um, to align everybody on a couple of key objectives versus trying to do everything. Um, I think that that has definitely helped, Um, and you know, uh, Dave uh, will tell you. um, And I encourage him to come on. Uh, Dave will uh, tell you that you know he's invigorated and is working as hard as he ever has um, at this time. He's excited about what we're doing, Um, and uh, and yeah, is not afraid to say like, okay, maybe we're pushing this a a, a tad too far. Uh, So there's a healthy balance here, uh, I think, between some new blood and um, uh, the people who have really made Surfline successful for the decades uh, that have existed, uh, the companies existed.
1: I asked you what the core business was when you signed on, what do you think the core business will be in five years from now?
0: Well, I don't think that um, this idea of, of, our finite resource time um, growing at all. So I do believe that, you know, five years from now, I think that in addition to surf, um, there's been investments in the past at Surfline around uh, boating and fishing and marine. And this this idea of ocean enthusiasts, right? It goes beyond um, surfing in terms of foiling and kiting and, and boating and fishing. And I think that this idea of being able to make the call Um, and uh, choose what day you're gonna um, go out and connect with your passion is gonna apply to a couple other verticals uh, in the future. So we already have that kind of, with fish track and buoy weather today, have a strong opportunity, um, Magic Seaweed as well. Um, So I I think that five years from now, you'll see us apply this approach to, to, to other categories. Better, um, not to say that they haven't done it in the past, but it's bringing this focus and a, a playbook um, to making sure that those customers on those products are getting as much investment and as much joy out of the products that we're creating for for surfers today.
1: Yeah. Um, how long do you envision staying at Surfline? Well, I'll tell you. So you know,
0: anytime you come in as a
1: as a as a new CEO
0: um, and you know, with investors, there's a certain expectation. Um, What's great about the churning group um, has been, there's no pressure and no expectations in terms of timeline. And what I've found being here for the last six months is that there is no better place in my mind to work right now. I'm having so much fun. I think the team is having a lot of fun. You know, we've made decisions, um, you know, in terms of making their lives better increasing uh, salaries, you know, making sure 401ks are funded, and then being able to allow people to work from anywhere, which is, you know, living the true surf nomadic lifestyle where you could live um, wherever um, you want, whether it's in Australia or or Southern England, if you like the cold water, um, or if um, you wanted to live in California or New Jersey or New York, you can you can do that here at Surfline. And I haven't been at a, at a company yet where I've been able to really, truly integrate my work and my life in a way that feels sustainable and natural. So I'd be happy to be here forever um, and uh, and to see the company grow over that period of time and hopefully you know, make uh, more surfers happy with the products that we're offering um, than they are today.
1: Um, CEO is a different role, obviously than, I mean, based on LinkedIn, it seemed like you were working, uh, what type of product was it that you had just come out? So i uh,
0: it was Alexa gadget. So it was all the accessories Gadgets. for right. Alexa, um, and, um, all the, um, additional experiences that you could create if you could connect into cloud computing, right. um, I've spent a good portion of the last few jobs as, as a general manager, you know, uh, spent time, um, you know, with deep technical background, user experience, leading marketing teams. Um, and so this was just a culmination of, of that experience that gives me the opportunity to really, um, focus on, uh, you know, growing the company. I didn't realize truly how, much context switching there is um being a ceo uh versus being a general manager of a big company you know of a, of a group within a big company so we'll go talking about office space you know kind of on on in one meeting 401k match in another meeting and then you know what are we going to do from a, a for live wins and the launch of live wins coming up so um it's a, it's it's fun it's a lot of context switching
1: um what so what my curiosity is you're obviously an ambitious person and you have moved um changed companies fairly regularly so let's i know and i know you said tcg isn't setting a timeline for whatever the goals are but let's say you hit all the goals you exceed expectations in five years from now that would put you in a uh powerful position to have done that as the ceo a first-time ceo and execute whatever the growth goals are, what would your ambition be? I can't imagine that you would, um, I I have a feeling that you enjoy growth. And so I can't imagine that you would be happy just, and I know the lifestyle is great, like you said, at Surfline, but what would your ambition be in five years if you hit all those growth goals? So
0: one of the things that, um, while, you know, I almost spent almost a decade at Disney and and prior to Yahoo, I I spent almost uh, four years there as well. But the commonality between, those two jobs was that I worked for the same person for ten years, four years at at uh, at Yahoo, and then uh, a, a good portion of time at Disney as a part of that. And you know what I love about um, this job um, and my ambition is that as long as I'm working with great people, as long as, long as those I could be building O-rings for for all that I care. Um, But, you know, having people, my life is my job, right? Like we work constantly as a part of that, uh, as a part of these jobs. Um, And so I really want to work with great people. As long as there are great people here and we're continuing to grow, um, I could be here for forever. Um, That's my ambition. A lot has changed, uh, obviously, in the last couple of years. I have an 18-month-old daughter who I want to see, you know, surfing um, and I want to see grow up. And want her to be a part of all of that as well. And so I think you can, in this situation, you can have success and, you know, be available for, for family, um, in a way that, um,
1: you know, uh,
0: that, that may not present itself with other opportunities, uh, from that yeah. perspective. So that, that balance is really important.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Um, speaking of balance, what does your work day look like? I mean, how many hours a day are you putting in? And, and I mean, you so, talked about, you talked about this opportunity would allow you to surf more. Have you been surfing more basically?
0: <laughs> no, the answer is a hard no on am I surfing more? That is, that is absolutely the one goal that I have not been able to, to really, truly uh, embrace. Um, you know, we are a global business um, in, in that sense. So, you know, mornings start at seven o'clock um, with, you know, phone calls with Ben, uh, and the product team, uh, which is in the UK right now, um, and ends at the end of the day, around five o'clock, um, you know, from, a, a few calls with Australia in the afternoon. And then I spend, I try to spend three hours with, with my wife and, and the baby, and then I'll do email, um, you know, while we're watching Netflix or, you know, the latest. Um, uh, Mikey February, you know, uh, video like or something souvenirs. else that we're trying to catch about. Yeah. Um, from that perspective. So it's, a it, 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 it feels like, um, it feels like it's a, a pretty big commitment, but I, I find, I find myself not, uh, tired as a result of that. And also I should say guys like Marcus, um, and our social team are working, you know, weekends, which we, which I mean, are, are, you know, there's, there's no, swells and mother nature don't stop. So we're still covering things on the weekend. And so that's been something that's happened, but we can now ensure that we've got shifts and making sure that people can, you know, take, take days off and things like that, that I think for the rest of the organization too, is really
1: helpful, um, for folks. How much other surf media do you follow?
0: I'm a voracious consumer of content right now. I think for, Um, A lot of different reasons. Um, One, for me, I've uh, found that, uh, you know, staying relevant and and ensuring I understand all the stuff that's going on um, across the industry is really important. And there's a lot of inspirational stuff out there that I, uh, again, I'll use Mikey February as a great example. Like, it's just awesome storytelling. Um, You know, I look at um, what John John did with uh, Vela. Um, I was, I love that, uh, those four episodes, you know, I was, I couldn't wait for the, the last episode to come, um, in. So that kind of storytelling is really something that has, has, um, uh, I think motivated me and the team to, to try and rethink how we, how we tackle some of the storytelling as well. Uh, and then, you know, there's just so much on Instagram, um, that, uh, that I'm trying to keep up with and follow and, and you know, understand what's noise and, and stuff that I really enjoy.
1: It's such a double-edged sword um, in that, like you explained your day, and it sounds pretty similar to my day, to be honest. It's like I'm at least on the computer yeah. or working by seven, and I'm, conti- and I'm on the computer and working until nine o'clock on the sofa with Netflix on, you know, and I'll get little windows of the day, an hour here or there where I'm not necessarily doing something active, but the big rocks of the day, you know, recording a podcast, actually sitting in a meeting, all of that, then everything else is the sand that fills in between the big rocks in the vase is social media. You know, it's like when I'm not in those big things, I've got my phone up just so I could stay current. With whatever the new thing is. And I hate it, but it's so effective at um, delivering the information that I'm now dependent upon it. So I won't, you know, go look at, you know, no offense, but I won't go to Surfline to look at when John John's new edit is dropping. I'll just wait until he tells me about it on social media and then I'll go look at it. And yes, but that double edge of that sword is like, there is so much white noise on there that I probably spend 90% of the time just trying to scroll past things as quick as possible to get the 10% of updates that actually are surf news and that actually inform, you know, my podcast work or whatever else. Yeah. Yeah. There's a ton of that.
0: And two, I'll be honest. Also, it does zap your day. And you know, again, I'm overly sensitive to having the phone all the time because my daughter is like on it. And when you know, I have that time between five and eight. If she sees me on that phone, she knows that she's not getting my attention. And um, you know, it's really changed my behavior for that period of time. But it's also hypercharged those other kind of white space uh, opportunities where I'm like, I gotta, I gotta make sure that I, I follow it all up. Um, there's going to have to be some sort of breaking point here in terms of curation and being able to try and sift through that um, to make it more effective. I don't know what the answer to that is yet. There's too much of it on Instagram to be curated at this point. Um, And that's a platform that we don't, we don't have any say in or control of um, and, and that's just the reality of where people are producing content.
1: That's true, but it does inform decisions that you can make for Surfline. You know, like you were saying, kind of um, Surfline sure. generate Surfline generated content that has value and isn't adding mm-hmm. to the white noise by just reposting whatever everybody else is reposting, you know, stuff like that. And that's where we've
0: been really focused on the science piece of, you know, where the heritage of the company is and, and the forecast stories and the places and the people uh, versus, um, you know, republishing other people's content uh from that
1: perspective um in regard to uh being respectful of your time i have two final questions um number one who's your pick who's your pick for the world title this year give me a men's pick and a women's pick (laughs) just to prove Um, how closely you are or not following
0: (laughs) no no Listen, I think that I, I'd love to see Idolo win um, and, uh, and Stephanie Gilmore, I think would be, you know, my two picks um, on, the, uh, on the world championship side of things. I'm excited about the, the lowers uh, being here at lowers, which will be great. Um, and uh, I'm really uh, looking forward to, to the moment where um, we can see surf here in the States.
1: Awesome. Um, what was the last surfboard you rode? Final question for everybody. Oh, or who's who's? I'm riding right now.
0: Well, there's two boards. So um, right now I'm on a mid length smooth operator from Lost that I really like, um, and also uh, the fun board that I like to ride is the Twin Fin from. Um, uh, Maurice actually down at surf. I'm kind of a, a surf. I'm always on looking for boards from USurf. Um and uh, he shaped a 6'6 twin fin that I really enjoy riding. I, you know, I'm I'm 42 years old, I need all the foam I can get uh, to catch waves these days.
1: Give, shout out, Maurice Agnello, is it Edit Surfboards, is that the name of the label? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Use surf. His name doesn't come up often enough, but Maurice is a great shaper. He's a great laminator. He actually sold his lamination factory to lost surfboards. So there's a chance that your uh, smooth operator was actually laminated there too, but Maurice, (laughs) Maurice is a great shaper and a great guy. So I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Well, Thank you very much, Cal, for taking the time. I will, of course, in uh, post-production, tell everybody to go subscribe with a premium subscription on Surfline if they don't have <laughs> one already. I presume they do.
0: No, I really appreciate uh, making time for us to come on. Really appreciate that. And um, listen, if there's any, um, anybody at Surfline you want to um, speak to, let me know and um, hope to be back at some point in the future when it makes sense.
1: Awesome. Congratulations on the job, too.
0: Thank you very much. And yeah, good luck welcome. with the, uh, the, the next uh, the next five and a half months.
1: Thank you. We are so excited. We're so ready for this. So, It'll change you your life. I appreciate it. Thanks. Take care. That Surfline Premium Membership, by the way, is, starts at $7.99 a month. It comes with ad-free and premium cams, and also Cam Rewind, which seems to be, a favorite of local surfers for finding their clips and then posting them on instagram you can find all of that of course on surfline.com you can find links to it and everything that kyle and i discussed on surf there's also a comment section for kyle if you'd like to leave a note for him i will ensure that he sees that and of course you can sign up to support our work here and again, it's only $5 a month and you can have an ad-free listening experience and get entered into surfboard giveaways and all sorts of stuff that we have going on here. So thank you for your support. We appreciate that. I hope that you're enjoying all the WSL events that we have going on in Australia. It seems just like every few days there's the start of a new one. So In between uh, Margaret River right now, but Nest is starting this weekend. So look forward to that. I will be back on The Grit tomorrow with Chaz Smith. I dropped an episode of Spit with Scott Bass yesterday, I believe. And of course, I'll be back here on Surf Splendor next Wednesday. So until then, this is, of course, David Scales reminding you to get back into the ocean, share a couple of waves, and shred on.